Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode number 14 and part two of the Flourish and Thrive event audio. Now, if you've listened to part one, hopefully you're going to jump straight into this one. It will all make sense. The reason I wanted to kind of separate them into two episodes is the first part of the evening we spoke about our business journey and the second part was more practical and tips for business owners. So hopefully you might get something out of this if you weren't at the event. If you were at the event, you can relive all of the information that we shared and I hope you enjoy the episode. So I'd love to dive into another question for you, Sophie, around the topic of growth and one of the things that most small business owners do when they're growing is freak out. (laughs) No, not necessarily, but they suddenly realize I can't do all of this. Some of us might be one-to-one service providers like uh, Amelia was saying, and we need support. And that support could look like part-time, full-time, contractor, it could look like anything. But from your perspective, when a business owner is because I know you've had a lot of these conversations yeah. where they go, I'm really overwhelmed. Like, what do I do next? What should I do? Should I hire someone? Am I ready for this? Like all of the questions. What would you say to someone that, that comes to you in that position and says, am I ready to hire? Like, is everything looking okay? Yeah, what's what's yeah. kind of the checks and balances that you would do? Can I them? hire someone? Yeah. So the first thing I'll do with someone who is completely frazzled and on the cusp of a meltdown, we will sit down and write all the tasks that they could give someone else to do. And then we bundle those tasks into groups, so like social media or content creation or documents. And then we go, okay, can we go with a contractor? Because that's always my first point of call because you're going to get high level expertise from a contractor, but you don't have to have them on your books as a continuous expense to the business. So you might, it might, you might just be busy for a few months and then that'll subside. So a contractor can come and go as you need. It's a manageable expense and you're getting quality. With, I will forget where I'm going with this. <laughs> Um, so contractors, the first thing that we look at u- using, and that's where like Adrian comes in for a lot of my people. I'll be like, hey, do you have someone that can do this? <laughs> and then she'll put a call out, and we'll have people come come to us that fit that role. If you are wanting to hire, so you're going to have to understand that there is a lot more overheads involved with hiring. You're going to have workers' compensation insurance. You're probably going to need Amelia to draw up your employment agreements. You will have superannuation, which is 11% as of Saturday (laughs) on top of what you're paying them Um, you're holding on to their tax you'll have extra tax you might fall into fringe benefits land (laughs) there's it just opens up a whole can of worms so that would be for a role that we've tried contractors and the work is now consistent enough that we could probably fill that role slightly cheaper by having an employee but at the end of the day it works out about the same cost (laughs) anyway with that but yeah this is where cash flow is so important so you need to know how much money you've got coming in every month in order to cover that as an ongoing expense to your business because you don't want to have to say oh sorry can I cut your hours back when 
you're not as busy as you thought you're going to be um because it's also finding the right people is incredibly hard at the moment there's just there's not enough people out there looking for jobs or with the right particular skill sets that everyone's looking for so most of my people can't find staff wow okay and they're just making do with what they've got um but yeah there's just a lot more overheads to staff so cash flow is king and being making sure you're just busy enough to keep them busy and productive that's really helpful really really helpful thank you Sophie I want to dive a little bit deeper Adrian into this idea of maybe bringing on a VA but I know something that Sophie just touched on that you help people with at the start is often just understanding like where their zone of genius is Mm -hmm. where they should be spending their time and where you could come in or your team of VAs that you have could come in so why don't you kind of run us through like a lot of business owners I know myself and I'm trying not to use the word perfectionist anymore but you know we hold on to a lot of tasks in our business we think we're a good graphic designer we think we're a good social media manager we think we can do it all and then suddenly we realize actually that's not where my time should be spent so how do you help someone that's in that predicament what would be like the next steps if they thought maybe maybe a VA or someone else could help you yeah so the first thing if someone came to me and said I can't do it all I'm thinking you know a friend of mine has a VA or there's a VA in my husband's business or my friend you know has used them and I think that could be a good option for me I'm very similar to what Soph said the first thing I would usually do is just get them to get a piece of paper line down the middle one side the things that they don't want to give up because it's too risky Mm, it's not financially a good decision Um, or they just really love doing that part of their business and it's their business so they get to choose and they get to keep the stuff that they like and get rid of the bits that they don't like so on the other side all the stuff that they don't like doing they don't want to be doing the stuff that wakes them up at three o'clock and and makes them think I'm crap at this I shouldn't have my business I'm failing you know all that self-doubt stuff because we're not all born knowing how to use MailChimp or Canva or do our accounts or write contracts so that sort of side is all the things that they like to get rid of and often when you look at that right hand side the answer floats to the surface around what kind of person they need because I've had clients sit and do that and think they need a virtual assistant and when they look at that it's actually a bookkeeper or it's actually a social media specialist or it's a copywriter or a content writer or someone who can help physically make products for them if they have a product-based business instead of a service business so if that side of the thing all falls under sort of general admin um sort of business operations then I would say yes a virtual assistant is a great option for them Um, and similar to Soph's point I guess having a virtual assistant who is someone who is engaged on a contract basis they send an invoice to the business owner is a great option for growing small business uh, a growing small or medium business because a lot of times businesses will come to us and think they have to get an employee and they have to have 40 hours of work to hire them and they have to have their business set up for payroll and superannuation and and the contracts and all that sort of HR piece. Um, So we sort of say virtual assistant is a good option between slogging away and doing it all yourself or thinking you've got to go and put an ad on seek and and have a business that's ready to support, you know, a part-time or a full-time employee. It's a really nice sweet spot where 
you don't have um, huge amounts of overheads, virtual assistants, you know, bring their own devices and insurances and security software and subscriptions and all those sorts of things. Um, you can have minimal hours a week or a month. Into, you might, I have clients that only need me for three hours a month to send, you know, put a blog on their website, upload a podcast and send out an email to their database. So it doesn't have to be, you know, huge commitments of hours. Um, but as I said, the first point is really once they've determined that they can financially support uh, someone in their business is really, it's not overly sophisticated. It's a piece of paper with a line <laughs> down the side and the stuff that they love to do or they're really good at, or as I said, financially or legally, they need to keep. Because, you know, if there's a, a business owner who is charging their hours at 150 and they're sitting there at you know, $150 an hour and they're sitting there for three hours trying to learn how to social schedule social media and you know it's so we're now at what $450 if my maths is okay at three hours yeah that's right or you can get a virtual assistant at 50 or $60 an hour who can probably do it really fast because they do it every single day it's like you start to get some very obvious reasons why we're outsourcing that right hand side and what is your time worth and that not, it might not be 150 dollars billable hours it might be school pickup assembly a yoga class that you like travel time with aging parents hobbies any of those things it's like what is that time in your business worth mm. to you yeah now it comes back to i guess that question of success you know you were just saying having that time to be with those people in your life, that might be what success looks like and it's worth outsourcing in order to get that. So let's talk about the fun part of hiring, the legal side. <laughs> because most of us go, oh, actually, should I have a contract? Do I need, you know, what does it look like? And maybe there's a website that has some contracts. So if that's what comes to mind when I think about it. And so what's like the basics of hiring that we should be thinking about in terms of getting a contract in place? How do we do all that stuff? Yeah. Yeah, what do we need to know? I think um, the first thing I say to clients when they say to me that they're looking at hiring an employee or a contractor, I say, have you spoken to your accountant? Because I want them to be able to tell me that they can afford it because and understand all of the payments because I had a client come to me and say oh yeah we're looking to I'm looking to hire someone I said okay so there's workers comp insurance and blah 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 and he goes oh okay I need to chat to my accountant and I'll come back to you so after you've spoken to your accountant to make sure you can actually afford to do that um, it's funny because I just met with some new clients this week that are having a bit of an employment issue they went it's not that they have used a lawyer in the past, so it's not as if they were cost averse to using a lawyer. They decided for their employment contract they would use a template that they found on the internet. And, you know, my view on templates is they work until they don't. And sometimes when they don't, it will cost you a lot more to fix that problem. So for this particular client, they'd used a template, they'd put in some clauses because templates will only take you so far. They, they're not going to give you advice on what should be included or what the repercussions are if you include something in a contract. So they had a particular issue around the way that they had worded a commission structure. So obviously they wanted to, they were trying to do the right thing by their employee, incentivize them and, you know, help generate more business. But it's now turned out that the employee is getting probably paid more than the owners of the business because they've just not structured this clause properly and and they basically said look 
we thought we would not taking the easy way out, but we thought we were doing the right thing. We followed the prompts in the template. Um, and now they've said to me, look, it's just cost us so much more than we initially thought. So I think if you're going to take that step and hire an employee or a contractor, it's probably worth to take the financial hit, I guess, up front in terms of getting some legal advice, chatting to your accountant, because the documents can be used again and again. So if you hire one employee, you don't have to redo the process every single time mm. unless something changes drastically in your business. But it is a, you do it once, you go through it with, you know, myself, we go through every clause basically and say, okay, this is what this means. And we talk about the different rules for small business employers, because I think as well, a lot of people are scared of hiring employees because they hear of overheads and what if I have to, to terminate them? There's a lot of personal guilt that comes with that conversation around employees where it's a lot easier to cut ties with a contractor. But I often say to people, there's not legally not that much difference between an employee and a contractor. If you've got less than 15 employees, you're not caught up in a lot of the red tape that you might think um, that there is. So, you know, there's no, you, you have to be employed for at least 12 months before unfair dismissal laws will apply. So there's no redundancy payment for small businesses. So. It's about having those discussions with the client as well and saying, okay, well, what do you need this person to do in your business? Because sometimes clients will say, actually, I do want to have a lot of control over what this person does. Um, with contractors, they work for other people. Their time is split between different clients. They might say, look, I can't do your work this week. What impact is that going to have on your business? Um, and you might actually want someone to help you grow the business together. And that's where an employee can really be beneficial because you're training them, you, you do put a bit of time and effort into that, but you've got more control over what they do. And yes, you probably will feel really shitty if you have to sack them or you know have to let them go because the work um, isn't there anymore, but it's not going to be the end of the world. Um, you're not gonna be financially in ruin if you have to let a staff member go. And I think sometimes people get that in their head that it's too risky to hire an employee mm -hmm. because if the work changes, um, they're going to be caught up in legal, you know, unfair dismissal claims and payments and all that kind of thing. So I think when I'm chatting to business owners about that, it's going, okay, well, where are you actually going with the business? Not that we're trying to, you know, look into a crystal ball and predict the future, but saying, okay, where would you like it to go in the next six to 12 months um, and looking at what might work best? Because once we do crunch the numbers, sometimes when you've got a part-time or a casual employee, the cost is not that much different. Because if you're paying a contractor, like Soph said, they're a specialist, so their rates are going to be quite high because that's, you know, they're incorporating a lot of those costs, the annual leave and the sick leave that you, <clears throat> yeah, and the insurances that the employee doesn't have to, you don't have to cover in their wage. So, um, yeah, I think it's, it's, I think a lot of people think only contractor, I only want to have contractors and it depends on the industry too. There's some industries that just employees like a, a foreign language because they just don't have, it's just not the way the industry is structured. Um, but it's just about having that discussion of going, you know, these are the options. Let's talk about what might actually be best, not what you've heard from a friend of a friend that had a bad employee experience. Um, and yeah, just looking at what your business actually needs. Mm. Okay, so one of the things that Amelia 
talks about a bit in her social media content. If you follow Amelia, she's extremely helpful. She's got a great podcast as well, which goes into a lot of small business and the law stuff. So if you're interested in that, you should follow her podcast as well. Thank you. <laughs> little plug, little plug. Um, but one thing that you speak about a lot in your content is something that most of us would probably go, oh, like another, you know, the law, the law stuff just to me feels like big thick textbooks and like wading through information. <laughs> so that's where you need someone like Amelia on your team, you need any of these women on your team. But one thing that you speak about a lot is this thing called terms and conditions. And until Amelia started talking about this a lot, I was like, Oh, okay, this is what terms and conditions really mean because normally you go to a website and it's like hidden down the bottom with the privacy <laughs> policy and you don't think you'll ever need it until something goes really wrong and that probably is the case. But why should we all think about having terms and conditions in our business as a small business owner? Like, Why are you so passionate about this thing? That, yeah. One of my favourite topics, Ruby. Yeah. <laughs> that and K-pop, but we probably don't have enough time to talk about that tonight. That's a different event. That's yeah, yeah. different event. Um, terms and conditions. When I was working in private practice, terms and conditions were like the bottom level of work. Like it was like really... no one wanted to yeah. do it. It was always just a hassle. And then once I started my own business, I just saw that there were so many things that can be improved in a business's back-end operations, the way you engage with clients, that terms and conditions can help with a lot of those things. So I'm actually on a mission, a personal vendetta, to <laughs> rebrand terms and conditions and think about it as boundaries and expectations. That is kind of my rebranding of it. Make it cool because when people think about their terms and conditions as setting the expectations they have for their clients around payment, the expectations they have around their clients, how they provide information to them. If you're in graphic design or even in, as a bookkeeper, you don't want to be ghosted by a client. That's going to cost you more time. You're chasing them. Then you have to pick up the file again and go, okay, where was I at? You know, setting boundaries around how long things are going to take. Can they get a refund for your services? Understanding what you're legally required to do with the Australian consumer law because everyone knows if you go to a if you go to JB or whatever big brand store you buy something it doesn't work you know that you can go in there and say hey this is defective i want a refund or i want a replacement those actually apply to services service based businesses as well and understanding you know a lot of the times when clients really need terms and conditions done it's because they come to me and say, oh, someone's asked for a refund. Mm. What do I do? You know, they did the work, they did it really well, they probably went above and beyond, but they don't know what they're meant to do. They haven't been clear in their terms and conditions about the process. And by having all of that set up out front, then you're kind of stopping those things happening in the future. And that's, I mean, I always have this saying as well that you can't stop people doing stupid things. Like if someone's going to complain, they're still going to complain whether there's terms and conditions. But it's about bringing them to the light as well because I think we've all had that experience of like, you know, the Apple terms and conditions, like sign it. I think there's a Except, South Park yeah. episode about, you know, people, you just click the terms and conditions and then you've agreed to all this stuff. Actually, I, I wanted to do a, some content on this. I don't know if anyone's seen the latest Black Mirror on Netflix, 
the first episode is about um, so basically there's it's called oh, it's not Netflix but it's like a play on yeah, Netflix is, yeah. the woman in the story clicked you know she's accepted the terms and conditions of Netflix not Netflix and it allowed them to create an AI version of her life and they're like the lawyer in the series is like well you can't do anything you you signed the terms and conditions so I thought it was an, actually a really great thing to do some content on because that's not technically always correct but anyway um, <laughs> it's one of those things I think we always just assume oh it's just the tick the box type of thing so when I'm working with clients on terms and conditions if you want people to know about them, you have to tell them. Don't have it in the footer. It's not about presenting them with this like scary document and going, oh, here's my terms and conditions, just sign here. It's about saying, hey, this is how I get paid. There's you know, a prepayment up front and then we do instalments. Or if you want to cancel a service, you can give me this much notice. Or just know that once we start, you can't you know, um, get out of this, uh, this period of this contract. It, about bringing that into the client engagement discussion and having the confidence that it's there in your terms and conditions. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of business owners are too scared to have that discussion until they actually know what they can and can't do. So I think it's an overlooked thing that people think, oh, I'll just get a template, you know, a free template or I'll spend 200 bucks um, on an online terms and conditions or I'll just copy someone else's. They have a similar business to me. But the thing is, they've probably copied someone else's terms and conditions. <laughs> it happens all the time. And they don't actually do what the business thinks it does and it's not tailored to your business so if you want to grow into um, membership or subscription models I'll often, often say to clients okay well how often do you want to get paid you know they might have been even just things around cash flow and payment it's like the first thing I'll say to a client is well just because everyone in your industry does this well what bills do you need to pay like if you start working with a client how much time do you need to spend you don't want to be working for free and then realise now I've got to chase people. So it's about helping your business grow and develop so you've got the money there and you're not having to kind of answer the repetitive questions and um, giving you that confidence that you kind of know what you're talking about. But um, yeah, that is my life's work, I think, is terms and conditions. It will be on your grade. Yeah. <laughs> Made terms, terms and conditions, conditions yeah. Cool it's like the thing that no one in law wants to touch. I'm like, no, this is it is really important for small business. I've seen it change many small businesses um, in terms of how they can make money and keep growing because they're not having to answer the same question or or they're chasing up payment or they've incurred all these costs and thinking, oh, I really hope that client pays twenty thousand dollars because I've already done all this work mm. or I've bought these supplies. And you know, not understanding that flow-on effect because when you're small, you think, oh, the, you know, I'll take that risk. But as you grow and you work with more people, it's yeah, it's important. You want to make money. You don't want to be stressed. You know, we're not. You can make lots of money if you want. I'm not saying let's not make lots of money, but um, it's just you need to, I guess, have someone there. I always, sometimes I feel like the negative Nelly because I'm like, these are all the bad things that can happen. But then I think once people know that, they're like, oh, okay, cool, I can deal with that. I think the fear of the unknown is, is actually harder. Mm. Yeah. Okay, last question before we dive into some Q&A. So if you've got your questions ready, we'll, we'll hear from Adrian once more and then we'll dive into that. So 
I think it was about the end of last year, chat GPT became the hot new thing. And... <laughs> Get ready for my rant. Um, and I don't know about all of you, but it feels like AI... At least, I mean, we're not going to have a conversation about AI, but let's just talk about it for a second Are you sure? about it. <laughs> it feels like every single program now, is, it's just the thing to integrate you know, my, my email software that I use now, there's the, yeah, like everything, Adobe software, all of it is, is building in that machine learning option for people if they want to use it. I say the word option because it is an option. And something that I'm really passionate about, I'm not going to get up on a soapbox tonight, so don't <laughs> worry, but is still maintaining the human aspect of business. And this is where I think small businesses are key to a great future and to a great culture is because we are not machines at the end of the day. We're people, we can have awesome relationships with our client and change their lives directly, like not through a computer, even though the computers might be involved. But I think that is still like really key to just humans being humans, right? Mm -hmm. And I know a big part of your business is probably getting um, split now between thinking about what are the things that we need to maintain this human connection with and what can we start to think about in terms of automation and, and out, outsourcing's obviously always been around for you, but now like AI and all of that. So this might be a little bit of an opinion piece from Adrian, but... <laughs> Yeah, we're, what should we be thinking in terms of that split? You know, it's very easy now to go, oh, I can just get an, a robot to do it. But where should we still think about from your perspective and the work that you do maintaining that human connection? Okay, how long have we got? <laughs> no, so one of the very first jobs I had out of high school was the mail girl at a manufacturing company where I'd literally walk around envelopes of internal mail for those that can remember those yellow so you envelope were, you were, you were times. In the mail room. Yes, I was the mail girl. That's yeah. that was the official title on my position description. <laughs> anyway, I've come a long way. <laughs> to say. Anyway, but there was a manufacturing plant and it was right around the time where it was like robots are taking over manufacturing. And I remember seeing some of these robot arms coming in and they'd yeah. pick up these little things and right beside them was still a human being watching to make sure that the arm <laughs> didn't pick up the wrong sauce and put it in the tartar instead of the tomato. Like there was still a human right there. And I've ref been reflecting on that recently because I think it gave me a good perspective on the, the topic that we're talking about now. For me, there is a lot, like for all of us, there's a lot of conversation around AI at the moment. And I think brands like ChatGPT have had a big a part in that but it's like the reason why I kind of like raise my blah 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 is I'm like this isn't new mm. like Telstra have had a chat bot on their website that's run by AI for many many years so is Jetstar so is whatever the other airlines whatever but they still have huge call centers and customer service NIB there was a, a huge building mm. on Honeysuckle Drive which is full of amazing customer service people, but humans. they, human beings, <laughs> not little wallies or whatever they are from Pixar, but like they're still chat bots on their, on their website. 
I'm showing my age with all these references. But there's still all these, like, <laughs> all these websites still have all these amazing chat, you know, bots and that are run by AI, but there's always still human beings. So whilst it is very topical at the moment, you know, we all have Siri on our phone and all of that, but half the time she was like, you have to unlock your phone for me to work, which needs a human being. So that's why I get a little bit like, yes, it's great. It's definitely topical at the moment, but I think it's something that we've had access to already for a long time and probably have all been using in our businesses and our personal lives already. For me, automation for small business owners is huge. Again, it comes down to what else could I be doing with that time? Servicing clients, servicing my community, spending time with my family, my hobbies, whatever that might be. So automation, I rely a lot on. I recommend it a lot to my clients. And a lot of my clients at the moment are exploring chat GPT and the ones that are using it to write whole social media posts, whole blog, whole web page copy, they're not getting great results. Where we are seeing good results is using it as a prompt. Mm. I personally like to use it as a prompt to tell me what to have for dinner, but that's just because I come <laughs> by the end of the day, I don't want to make any other decisions. But, you know, social media ideas, blog ideas, not the whole thing, because yeah. what it cannot do is, you know, spell organization with an S instead of a Z, but it also can't get our tone and our individual brand, whether your team, you have a team of 10 and it's a brand voice or it's a team of you know, one or two, and it's your individual voice, it can't pick all of that up. It can't answer the call. It can't respond to a client's inquiry. I work with a lot of um, mental health and allied health professionals. The inquiries that we get in are very personal. People are sharing stories around their marriages and addiction and all these other things. I'm never going to get a bot to respond to that email. That needs a personal human reaction and response it's yes you asked for my opinion and I gave it it's something I feel very strongly about I'm a big fan of using it for efficiencies and saving time so you're not yes typing the same email every day where it can just be a very generic copy paste response but I personally don't feel yeah. overly threatened 